Yeah, so this is the unnamed He-Man podcast. Yeah, where are you going to start? I think that this is going to be a lot of figuring out what actually to talk about. I've listened to podcasts where people read books and make fun of them or comment on them or whatever. And that's interesting because they can relay the plot of the text. But it seems less interesting to just, oh yeah, so at 2 minutes and 30 seconds when He-Man did this motion... Yeah, like how many times can you make fun of them reusing the same animation over and over again? Speaking of, so I watched He-Man on Amazon, which they provide with commercials. And Mm -hmm. they also have that Amazon hot tips section, whatever that's called. I was just looking at that. They got like the trivia on it. 37 entries for the first episode. So somebody's already done this work for it. (laughs) And a lot of them are like... This shot was reused in episodes, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's pushing the crack out. It doesn't actually move. Oh, really? I don't know if we can go through the plot step by step, first of all, because it's 20 minutes of plot, and it's like, what do you even... <laughs> like, it's... If you describe the plot, basically describe what happens, because that's all that happens. That made no sense. <laughs> when you describe the plot, it is what happens, yes. Yeah, but if you take, it would take as much time to watch the show as it would to be described what happens in it. Yeah, if you do, if you do a shot-by-shot description, I, I think that's true. I was thinking, what was Skeletor's plan if you want to do a plot, and how did He-Man foil it? Because that's all that really happens. Um, you keep a, a running count of how many times people end up in mud or hung up or like the ways the villains are defeated. I noted the mud because I remembered that from the drinking game that we developed in college. Yeah. Like, that was something we could talk about, at least, like, the first episode or something, like, how we got into it. Mm-hmm. Why are we watching the show that came out before we were born? Yeah. Why are we watching the show that came out before we were born? <laughs> Did you like the podcast explanation of it? So me and Truman, back in college, we met at the dorms. This story is going great. And then fast forward, we realized that we had each sometime in the past watched He-Man and then decided to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. It boils down to is we made a drinking game to He-Man when we were in the dorms and got way too drunk because it was way too easy to drink off of it. Yeah. The interesting thing about the drinking game, and here's the parallel back to the podcast, is that I think after we watch a few episodes, it will be easier to find things to talk about because the themes will start becoming apparent. Yeah. You watch... That's true. Diamond Ray of Disappearance, and you see uh, Merman, is that the fish person's name? That's that's the fish person. Uh, Get thrown in the mud, and you're like, okay. And then you watch four more episodes, and it happens four more times. Yeah, and then, like, never again for the next ten episodes. Yeah, it was very swingy, those uh, drinking game rules. You you Mm -hmm. are either getting obliterated, or uh, you were just watching (laughs) He-Man. We are getting ahead of ourselves. We're only in the first episode. We don't know how many times it gets thrown in the mud. Uh, but yeah, sacred secret foreknowledge. Yeah, establish the like different characters because everybody's here in this first episode. You know, they just throw you in. This is something that's been going on for a while. Yeah, I was wondering about the origins of both He-Man's sword, his power reception. Like, where did 
Skeletor come from? Are they fighting? Is he just mad because He-Man's got the skull motif castle and he's got the snake motif castle and he's upset about it because he's Skeletor, so he should have the skeleton-themed castle? And like, what's the power structure, right? Because there's the king and queen of Eternia and there's this guy who shows up to protect the kingdom every once in a while. But do they have an army? And like, is Skeletor the opposing nation? Or is it just one bad guy that lives in their borders or something that they have to fight all the time? Is he the Osama bin Laden of Eternia? There's like a noticeable lack of background characters in He-Man. You are in the story or you don't exist. There's like the nameless guards that go off with Teela. And then there's like the robots that fight for Skeletor. But those aren't, like the robots don't really count. Yeah, they would be sad to hear you say that. but uh, They would be sad to hear you say that. <laughs> Poor robot. But other than that, there's not like, there's very sparse, right? There's no, like, people walking around beside the characters. It's like a wasteland. The only people that are there are this skeleton man and a dude who pretends to be somebody else and puts on left clothing. Yeah, and the sparseness... Okay, I don't know what He-Man's animation budget was. Not Probably not, not much. The, the portraits, like, the characters themselves are also not um, particularly detailed. But the backgrounds are actually pretty nicely rendered. Yeah, I mean, they're like static drawings, so you get more time to spend on it, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so here's a theme of He-Man. It's like the contrast, the sparseness of the foreground and the richness of the background. Does that play into the story at all? No. (laughs) Richness of the background and the fullness of the foreground. Maybe the opposite? There's not a lot of richness in the foreground or the background in the deeper recesses of meaning in this. What's that word for when, like, you put emotions on animals? Anthropomorphizing or something? Yeah. Anthropomorphizing. Can you do that and ascribe too much meaning to a cartoon that was only designed to sell toys? Yeah, that's what this whole podcast is, I think. You can break it down to, like you suggested earlier, what was Skeletor trying to do? And what did He-Man do to stop him? So in this episode, Skeletor's plan was to send Trapjaw in, who, by the way, doesn't make any sense. Why is your whole arm a weapon when you could just, like, switch it out with your hands? You spent a whole, like, ten seconds. Anyways, so then Skeletor sends Trapjaw in as a distraction to peel off Tila and the guards. And then Skeletor sneaks in with his lost ray of disappearance, or lost diamond of disappearance. Yeah. And then disappears the king and queen and man-at-arms and the sorceress. And then what? Like, what's the end goal? I mean, I guess he's ruling Eternia because the king and queen are gone if he gets He-Man out of there, too. Because then he goes to Castle Grayskull. Yeah, for no reason that I could tell. Gets the king and queen out of power. And then if he takes Castle Grayskull, then he controls Eternia, presumably. Yeah, maybe there are magical artifacts in Castle Grayskull. The sorceress lives there. That's true. Yeah. So it's got to be a place of great power, right? Because that's by the power of Grayskull. But then why would he bother with going to, like, the castle, not the castle, like, the kingdom to capture the king and queen? Is that just to draw out the sorceress so that she could he could disappear them? It's a complicated plan because first Trapjaw has to distract the guards, and then he goes to the castle to get rid of the king and queen. 
And then his like third devious step is to go to Grayskull. Like a lot of steps when it seems like he could have just gone to Grayskull. Maybe that's why he's just giggling the whole time because it's just so insane. So Skeletor shows up at Castle Grayskull and says something like, now that He-Man is out of the way. But He-Man wasn't out of the way yet. No, he definitely was not. Because he has to go to Grayskull and like yank open the door. And he doesn't think He-Man's going to be there for some reason. Like, why would He-Man not be at the castle? Does Skeletor know that Prince Adam is He-Man? I don't think so. Yeah, Prince Adam just pieces out when uh, Skeletor attacks the castle and jumps in some bushes and transforms. Everyone's like, oh, there goes Prince Adam. He's such a coward. He-Man is, oh, comes back to the castle. It's surrounded by robot knights. Orko warns him that Skeletor is, like, laying a trap with the robot knights. So he tells Tila to go hide in the, I don't know, behind the rocks at Castle Grayskull. I, yeah, Skeletor just doesn't know where He-Man is. I don't know. Like, the plan would be, she was going to do this right. He'd get He-Man disappeared in the first span of disappearing, because then there'd be nobody in the way. But he's got everybody but He-Man. So he actually doesn't have He-Man accounted for, and he's acting like he does in his evil plan. Yeah, and Skeletor is cartoonishly bad at being a villain, but is he that bad at being a villain? Apparently. He just, like, he knows stuff. Like, we're going to remember, like, he knows, like, he finds, like, ancient lost weapons that He-Man has to destroy or fight against, and, like, some ancient power that Skeletor's awoken or whatever, because Skeletor knows stuff. He knows, like, the history of the planet. Presumably he's been around a long time, and it doesn't seem like any of the other characters really know what the ray of disappearance or the diamond of disappearance is. Yeah, although Orko describes what happens when He-Man is returning to the palace, and He-Man himself says, oh, the lost diamond of disappearance, that is what that must be. So He-Man knows what it is. Okay, Skeletor gets, what, Beast-Man to pull the door down with a grappling hook. Yeah. Also shoots it with a laser, which yep. helps. He-Man bursts out, and they start fighting. Yep, and then He-Man chucks Merman into the wood, throws... Is it Triclops? Is he Triclops, or is he... I think it is Triclops, yeah. Throws him, and he, like, gets hooked on some rock thing, and then, like, there's a cat fight. Yeah, the, the bird guy, like... Oh, yeah, the bird guy shows up. Swoops in and puts uh, evil Lynn in in her cloak, I think. Yeah, he like, wraps her up in a cloak. He throws her in a blanket. You know what's messed up is that the evil guys all got a different introduction. At the beginning of the episode, there was a roll call where Skeletor calls off all his dudes. The very beginning of the episode. And Stratos and the spring guy, God, Ram Man, is that what he is? They just show up with no introduction. They just start helping out and they like save He-Man's ass and he's just like Stratos. That's it. You know, they, there's no description of what Stratos actually is. Uh, maybe they're saving that for future episode, you know, specials, the origin of. They explore like the bird society, Stratos king of the birds. Speaking of the um, introduction of the evil characters, when Skeletor is summoning Triclops, uh, he says, Triclops, master of vision. I'm not even going to try to do the Skeletor voice because I'm very bad at it. I will need your gamma vision, which can see around solid objects. Why? It's very powerful if you can see around solid objects. Not see through. 
see around. It's an important distinction. Yeah, which is normal sight if the object is small enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you just lift yourself up on the object and peek. Yeah, or like jump. You can see it for brief moments. The little hops. You mentioned earlier, one thing we could talk about is the power structure of Eternia. And Skeletor is is not feared by the people that follow him. They make fun of him a lot, actually. Yeah, they were talking a lot of smack. Is this plan really going to work? Like, He-Man's kicked their ass, like, so many times. I guess it's Beast-Man that says that right at the beginning and then follows it up at the end of the episode when they actually do lose. I think Merman talks and threw some shade at it, too. I mean, they had, like, their little council meeting, and they're all like, are you sure this is going to work? We've done this before, buddy. Meanwhile, Skeletor is just cackling like a madman and giggling that he's found the diamond ray of disappearance. Yeah, he's just always laughing. He's a jovial man. Or skeleton. Yeah, they don't really seem to fear much. Usually, like, a supervillain, like, their minions fear the guy in some way. Because why else are they following him? He's got to be the strongest and the scariest or most powerful. Is he just powerful because he lives at Skeleton Snake Mountain? And he's got incredible skeleton muscles. He is buff for a skeleton. Is there some sort of, like, agreement of villains they have that they have to call when he summons? He did use his magic to teleport them. Oh, no, no, Beastman pressed the spider teleporter. Yeah, it was like the teleporter or something. I had yeah. really high hopes for the writing of He-Man early on when Beastman, so Skeletor shows Beastman the diamond ray of disappearance. Beastman yeah. says, the diamond, but that makes those who see it Dot, 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 and Skeletor cuts him off. I know what it does, fur face. Like, yeah. building building the tension, they're going to show us yeah. what the Diamond Ray does, not tell us. But that, that quickly drops off, because then they just do, like, the Triclops Master of Vision, your Gamma Vision, which can see around solid objects. They just start sprinkling in nonsense later. Really give you that high of hopes when, before that, he said, I have found the lost diamond ray of disappearance and he says but that's the diamond that makes you big super duper mystery i was okay fair it was that was some like next level stuff though i didn't expect them to put a little sting in there to make you try to figure it out on your own what the lost diamond ray of disappearance does <laughs> look we live in a post game of thrones Westworld world where your expectations are just you got to throw them out I do think the voice actor for Skeletor is having the most fun. Everybody else is monotone, and Skeletor is like, Yes, I'll get that done! You have an incredible Skeletor voice. That's really why I want to do this podcast, is to just show off my Skeletor voice. Okay, I've been reading this extremely long fantasy series called Malazan Book of the Fallen. In, in that book, there's a sword that's like the diamond ray. You stab somebody with the sword... Their soul gets sucked into the sword, and then it just is in there forever, whatever. In, in a timeless dimension. In a timeless dimension. One of the protagonist characters gets sucked into the dimension and then manages to escape because they're a protagonist character. But they find out that all the people that have been you know, absorbed are just like hanging out in there doing some stuff. The Diamond Ray, when it finally gets broken at the end, returns only the king and queen and sorceress and man-at-arms. Are these the only four people that it has ever absorbed? Why didn't hundreds of people come back into being? That's a good question, because it's the lost diamond ray of disappearance. It's been around for eons, presumably. It sounds old. There should be more people disappeared with it. Right. And it's in a timeless dimension, as the sorceress says in her own words, so they should be just show up. 
It's a really big plot hole that these guys didn't think about. As a side job, maybe we can start publishing He-Man fan fiction where we explore some of these more interesting ideas. Yeah, what happened to all the lost souls of the Diamond Ray of Disappearance? Maybe they're still trapped there in the timeless dimension because they weren't close enough to the entrance point, if there's an entrance point. Yeah, you get sucked in and then you're just floating around and eventually you float away. So... He-Man was holding the diamond in his hand as he was disappearing at the end. So was the diamond itself getting sucked into the diamondless dimension? Because he couldn't have crushed it if he was all the way there, if it wasn't with him. Oh, the animation should have showed the diamond and He-Man disappearing around it otherwise. Yeah, so it was going with him. Maybe no one has ever held it for so long before. He is the most powerful man in the universe. That had to be some, like... Dividing by zero shit. It should have blown something up to suck the diamond ray of disappearance into its own pocket dimension. Although it is probably just magic. It seems like there's a lot of technology, but that's all powered more magic stuff anyways, is the more powerful things. Yeah, the speeder bikes or whatever those are called. There's a bunch of laser guns. Trapjaw's got laser guns. And I guess Triclops has gamma vision. That sounds sciencey. Gamma is a science word. That's definitely true. So, I don't remember, is this sword something special? I actually don't remember this. Is it a, a super sword? Does it have its own name or something? I don't, I don't know what its name is, but isn't the intro text that He-Man, or Prince Adam, got the He-Man powers because the sorceress gave oh. him the sword? Yeah, he held aloft his sword of power and says the words, that's what gives him his power. So his power comes from the sword. Yeah, presumably. So it's a Mjolnir situation. So that it reflected the ray that came out of the diamond, which I thought was the, kind of cheating. Like, have him dodge it or something like Skeletor had to. But it is the most powerful sword. And despite all of that, uh, He-Man still strongly believes in teamwork. He could presumably just go to Skeletor and throw him into mud by himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't need a whole team to throw him into mud. Nobody else even really did anything. They did. I said each person fought off somebody like maybe he-man knew he'd get overwhelmed but he really never has as well one episode in presumably he will not though yeah are we gonna go through this episode by episode this is all the information we have we're going in blind are we i feel like we're jumping ahead with the knowledge we already have of it yeah it's a good question i don't remember a lot i i don't remember specifics but i remember vague overarching things that keep happening so as far as framing goes do we is it like this where we meander through the plot of the episode and have things from our notes to talk about along the way or another thing we could do would be to like be a little bit more concise with the plot summary to set the stage of the i don't know if it warrants uh the vaunted title of discussion of the He-Man episode, but set the stage with the plot summary and then go and find things to talk about? Or, yeah, what do you think? I think that's a good idea. Okay. Like, you do, we do a quick summary, and we, like, alternate of what happened in that episode, and then we go into a meandering discussion and try to make some larger, lofty points about it. Yeah. We're going to find themes of he Oh, we will. And they have them built into the episode. Right, because then you got the meaning of the day or whatever, which is a pretty good one this week. Yeah, avoid the get-rich-quick schemes. Yeah, if somebody tells you that they got something that's quick and easy, they're lying to you. Work hard. 
It's the American way. He-Man, though, Prince Adam, born into royalty, <laughs> yeah, gifted a magic sword that he just has to yell at. Yeah, that's it. Talk about privilege. He didn't even have to like do anything for that. He just held up. Fabulous powers were granted to me one day when I held aloft the sword and yelled out, I have the power. That's it. That's all he had to do. So, so He-Man taking, or Prince Adam taking his own advice, would, approached by the sorceress with the magical sword, say, that, that sounds too easy. I'm going to keep doing push-ups. I'm sure they've got plenty of good workout regimens. Like, Man-at-Arms is pretty buff. And, like, when did he get these powers either? Because his mom and dad and everybody thinks Prince Adam just lay about lazy prince guy. So he probably grew up like that. So did as soon as he get the sword, he become He-Man, who's just like this great guy? Or was he like a good kid who became lazy, or everyone thinks became lazy? Or like scared and weak and not fighting for things? Yeah, compare that to uh, Cringer and Battle Cat. Battle Cat's persona does not bleed over into Cringer's day-to-day. So you could reasonably expect that a he-man's self-sacrificing model heroism or whatever does not really have an effect on prince adam so prince adam just sees some trouble going down i probably should turn into he-man i guess yeah i guess he does take that step it's prince adam in the in this episode literally escapes to the bushes but it is to turn into he-man he knows he has to join the battle as he-man so he turns into he-man but in day-to-day life is prince adam a kind and considerate person or just a royal brat. Yeah. Because Cringer's like not into it. Oh god, I gotta become Battle Cat again? Right. And then like he turns into Battle Cat and he's just fighting because he's Battle Cat. Like he doesn't even talk in this episode. He's just a beast. Seems like against his will. Although I do remember him talking later in episodes when he's Battle Cat. Does he talk in this episode when he's Battle Cat? Oh, that's some more of the forbidden knowledge. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. if he does. But the right way is the best way. Have we taken that advice? Are we doing our uh, He-Man podcast the right way? I, I don't know about that. <laughs> we're not doing it the quick way. I think we're figuring out the right way. That does raise the question, are we going to re-record the Diamond Ray of Disappearance? Or are, do we cut this, let it be the, the first episode and just keep rolling forward? The cleanest way would be to re-record it. But the art student in me, one of the things I always learn when you're making something or creating something is to not be precious with it. So you can cut this one up to make it sound pretty, but finish painting and move on to the next one. Or we could re-record it. Or we could do is cut it in a way, like record a description of the episode now and cut it out. Because you've got the transcript right there. I am in favor of just continuing to move forward. Based on my memory, we only have a hundred and... 20 something shots to get this right but yeah and it's more of a learning experience of how to get it than anything else though is there anything else you feel like we needed to cover in the diamond ray of disappearance just how incredible orca's theme continues to be oh man like it cuts in because he comes in to do something goofy and there he is there's orco's things spinning triclops's head around smashing eggs on men at arm's head yep but it do I, I dislike podcasts that have theme songs, but if I had to pick... <laughs> yeah, 100% agreed. All to pay more attention, the themes are really good. I love the He-Man theme. He-Man. Yeah, and then it contrasts with the other voice. 
there's a like really masculine he-man chant and then there's a really soft like he-man that they slide in there yeah i'm definitely have to listen to that too i mean do you think they like ascribe different themes to different characters when they come through i mean obviously they've got orca's theme right but are there other theme musics for like or is it just what's going on in the scene is what they have it for yeah, we'll have to pay attention. He-Man's recurs all the time. Orcos yeah. definitely recurs. There's some spooky music for Skeletor, but I don't know if it comes back or if it's more like generic spooky music. But that, that I think, is all. They have music the whole time throughout the entire episode. There's no moments of silence where there isn't any music. I don't think. Okay. Do you have anything else? Mm, no. Not for this episode. I do want to like try to figure out like the map of Eternia and figure out where the power structure is. Who's in charge of what? Is it a wasteland or is it oh, like? Oh, I one, actually one can nation? no longer hear you. Oh, 